today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. We will never come to the place this side of heaven where we are not tempted. And by the way, this is probably as good of a time as any to say that being tempted to sin is not sin. James talks about this. It's only when we're enticed and give in and fall prey to that temptation and are drug away, that's when we sin. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of 1 Thessalonians. We are far from perfect. God knows this and knows that we will never be completely free from sin here on earth. However, Jesus Christ died to make us presentable to God. And now you're viewed through his eyes as holy and blameless. In today's message, Pastor J.D. reminds us that we will always be tempted to sin. The difficult part is not giving in. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Our text today will be verses 1 through 8. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church there in Thessalonica, and beginning here in chapter 4, he kind of turns a corner of sorts and says, verse 1, As for other matters, brothers and sisters, we instructed you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. For you know, verse 2, what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality. Now, I need to parenthetically say, before we move on to verse 4, that this word translated sexual immorality in the original language of the Greek New Testament is the Greek word pornea, from where we get our English word for porn or pornography, sexual immorality. And it broadly encompasses sexual sin, and sexual sin outside of marriage, which is adultery, sexual sin before marriage, fornication, and all sexual immorality, in particular internet pornography. This is what happens when you teach the Bible book by book, chapter by chapter, and verse by verse. You can't skip passages like this. Believe me, there are times where I just think, no, Lord, not today. No, today. Okay. All right, verse 4. That each of you should learn to control your own body. It gets worse, okay? Control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, 
not in passionate lusts like the pagans who do not know God, and that in this matter no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins, as we told you and warned you before. For God, verse 7, did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, verse 8, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God, the very God who gives you His Holy Spirit. We're going to tackle the touchy topic of sexual sin, but more importantly, how it's actually possible to be victorious. What if I told you that you and I can walk in victory and in sexual purity, that it is achievable, it is doable, it is attainable, it is possible to walk in sexual purity. Would you believe me if I told you that? I declare to you on the authority of God's Word, as we're going to see here shortly, that we can overcome sexual sin. I am not titling this teaching, Overcoming Sexual Temptation. No. And I'll explain that more in a bit. No, I'm talking about overcoming sexual sin. We will never come to the place, this side of heaven, where we are not tempted. And by the way, this is probably as good of a time as any to say that being tempted to sin is not sin. James talks about this. It's only when we're enticed and give in and fall prey to that temptation and are drug away, that's when we sin. So what I want to talk with you today about is how it is possible for us as Christians to walk in purity and overcome sexual sin. It should be noted that Paul is kind of maybe answering questions that presumably Timothy brought back with him when he had sent Timothy to Thessalonica. He couldn't go. He wanted to go. He longed to go. He wanted to know how they were doing because he only got to spend about three weeks with them when he started this church there in Thessalonica. And he was actually ran out of town and wanted to spend more time with them and get them more rooted and grounded in the Word, but couldn't. And it was really affecting him, as we saw prior, where he just couldn't stand any longer. He says that twice in chapter 3. I couldn't stand any longer. I had to know how you're doing. So that's why we sent Timothy. So he sends Timothy. Timothy comes back to Corinth where Paul is and gives him this report. And by the way, they're doing great in their faith. And Paul's rejoicing. I'm so glad. I'm so glad I can, I can go on now knowing that you guys are doing good. But apparently they must have had some 
matters that they wanted to ask Paul about. So now it seems that Paul is addressing those matters. And one of those matters is this area of sexual immorality. Another one, as we're going to see later on in the chapter, is about their loved ones who had died. They were asking questions about the rapture and what happens now. So he's going to answer those questions, address those specific matters seemingly in response to their questions. So in teaching the text, what I want to do is first provide three reasons as to why it is that sexual sin is forbidden. Now please hear me when I say this, it is so important to know this. It is germane to our understanding when it comes to overcoming sexual sin. Sexual sin is not bad because it's forbidden. Sexual sin is forbidden because it's bad. Let me explain that. It's not a play on words. Never imagine God says, Thou shalt not because I'm God and I said so. That's why. No. It's more like this. Thou shalt not commit sexual immorality because of the harm and the hurt and the danger and the destruction that will come upon you if you do. Sexual sin is forbidden because it's so bad for us. The harm it does to us, to our bodies, to our minds. What I'm hoping to do at the conclusion is offer encouragement and hope to those who struggle in this area. And I I am keenly aware that you are privy to the same statistics that I'm privy to when it comes to pornography online. And it's not just men, sadly, the numbers with women are increasing as well. And that's what I want to take and tackle today. And I want you to know that I have good news for you today. Victory and purity is possible. And we're going to see that. So let's get started. Here's the first reason. It's in verses 1 and 2. This alone, it displeases God. It's displeasing to God. It grieves the heart of God. I find it interesting that Paul begins by commending them for living their life in a way that was pleasing to God. However, in commending them, he's also urging them to do more and more. The reason I find that interesting is because it seems to indicate that Paul wasn't rebuking them for some specific sexual sin like he did with the Corinthians. I mean, they had somebody in that church that was committing sexual sin with his stepmother. And the Corinthians were tolerating it, allowing it, embracing it under the banner of, we want to be loving and welcoming and accepting of everyone. And Paul's like, are you kidding me? You think that's love? That's not love. Love is, and oh by the way, that's where we get the famous love chapter that we love to quote and read during a wedding ceremony. You have no idea what love is. 
You're not being loving at all. In fact, if you really loved him, you wouldn't accept this. In fact, he tells them, you get him out of that church like now. You kick him out of the church and you give him over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh. Whoa! That's kind of harsh. No, that's love. If you love somebody enough, you're going to do that because you love them and you want what's best for them and certainly for the church. You can't let that continue openly. Everybody knew it. Get him out of there and give him over to Satan and then he'll come to his senses and he'll repent. And sure enough, in the second letter to the Corinthians, he does repent. In fact, the Corinthians, this was an interesting church. Can't imagine being a pastor of the, you know, Calvary Chapel, Corinth, but um, <laughs> it's like, so he repents, he comes back, and they're like, not so fast. And Paul has to admonish them and say, no, receive him, embrace him. He's repented, he's come to his senses, it worked. Let him come back into the fellowship. Man, that was a specific situation within that church of sexual immorality, but that's not the case here. So why does he bring this up? I believe it's not to rebuke them, it's to protect them. It seems to me that Paul had this ferocious, protective love for this church that he longed to go back to because he was not there with them long enough. And he also knew full well that the society at that time was fully given over, riddled with sexual immorality in that day. And he wants to protect them. He wants to warn them. He wants to encourage them and urge them to continue pressing on concerning this area of sexual immorality. This brings us to the second reason, and it's that it defrauds others. Here, Paul makes it very clear that not only is sexual purity pleasing to God, it's also the will of God. You want to know what God's will is? Right here. Right here. It's God's will that we be sanctified, set apart. See, after salvation comes the process of sanctification by way of the indwelling and the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Sanctification comes subsequent to salvation. To be sanctified, to be purified, is that sanctifying process, that purifying process where the Holy Spirit, that regeneration from the inside out, changes us and makes us more like Jesus. So Paul is saying it's God's will that we be sanctified by avoiding sexual sin and controlling our own bodies, as if to say the society in that day was out of control. And dare I say that the society today, when it comes to this, is out of control. I mean, my goodness, we live in a day where you're a mouse click away from the most graphic, horrific, vile pornography right there on the screen, right there on the phone. In verse 6, the first part of verse 6, 
Paul says, and this is really interesting to me, he says, in this matter, when it comes to sexual immorality, no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. And that's what sexual immorality does. I heard an illustration as a young believer, and it stuck with me over the years. It's so good. It goes like this. Every time, I hate to use the world's way of saying, hook up, you know, but when they come together in a sexual relationship, it's like taking two pieces of paper and gluing them together in the sexual union. Now, when you go and have a sexual relationship with another partner, you you tear that off and then you are now glued to another piece of paper. But it's not the same now. Why? Because that paper isn't whole anymore. In fact, it has holes in it now. Because when you ripped it off, there's part of that paper on your paper. The glue from both papers is on both. You rip them off. You're ripping people off. You're wronging people. You're defrauding people. You're taking from people. And that's what sexual sin does. You're taking from them. It's not just that sexual sin displeases God, grieves God, it hurts others, not to mention yourself. And then this third one, and it's a biggie, it brings punishment. To me, this is the forgotten factor concerning sexual sin, such that God has to punish and discipline those who commit such sin. And it's not that God delights in disciplining us, it's that He has to discipline us as His children. That's how we know we're His children. I mean, he, sometimes He has to give us a spanking. That's how you know you're a child of God, because if you're not his child, then he's not going to spank you. Could you imagine you're in a restaurant and these kids are, you know, acting up and being loud and running around and throwing food around and the parents do nothing? You're trying to have a nice meal. And you look at the parents, you're like, do something. And they don't. So you get up, you think, you know what? These kids need a good spanking. <laughs> yeah, how's that going to work out for you? You can't, you can't. They're not your kids. You can't spank somebody else's. You want to. I should probably speak for myself. <laughs> yeah, that kid needs to be disciplined. That's how you know whose child that belongs to. It's the parent that's going to discipline them. And so too is this true with the Lord. We are His children, and that's why He corrects us and disciplines us. But here's the problem. We reject it. That's what Paul is saying. We reject it. The writer of Hebrews says, don't despise it. When the Lord chastises you, He chastises those whom He loves. In our parenting, my wife and I, boy, I tell you, before we had kids, we knew everything about parenting. We read all the books. We got this down. After that first child was born, we realized we knew absolutely nothing about parenting. 
And oh my goodness, I mean, <laughs> there were days, in fact, we even actually, when our boys were young, we sat them down and we told them, listen, contrary to what you believe, your mom and I do not wake up in the morning and think, oh yay, I can't wait to discipline our children. I know you think that, because we're always disciplining you. We, we don't delight in it, but we do it, why? Because we love you. If we didn't love you, we wouldn't correct you. It'd be like, yeah, go ahead, juggle knives on the H3. Aloha. Yeah. I don't care. No, because we care so much, we love you so much, we have to discipline you. But don't you find it interesting that Paul would say that there's this propensity for us to reject God, the very God who gives us the Holy Spirit? Stay with me. Do you believe that it's possible for us, especially in this area of sexual immorality, to not only reject the Holy Spirit, but grieve the Holy Spirit in us, and even worse yet, quench the Holy Spirit? Why? Because we reject. Here the Holy Spirit indwells us to empower us and enable us to overcome sexual sin, and we reject it. See, God's never going to force Himself or His will on us. That's why the Holy Spirit is in us, to do according to His will. I like how one commentator said it. We have been given the Holy Spirit who empowers, listen, the willing, trusting Christian. We have to be willing. We have to yield to the Holy Spirit. Willing, trusting Christian to overcome sexual sin. By His Spirit, God has given us the resources for victory. We are responsible to use those resources. It's up to us. The onus is on us. I have a choice to make. Am I going to give in to this temptation, or am I going to yield to Holy Spirit to empower me so I can overcome this temptation and this sin? I know this might be a firm grasp of the obvious, but there is never, ever, ever a way that we will ever be able to overcome sexual sin in our own strength. And really this applies to every area of our Christian lives. You cannot live a holy life absent the power of the Holy Spirit. The early churches had a lot to learn about Jesus. His life, death, and resurrection was still a fairly recent event when they were established. And many of the books of the Bible you have today weren't yet written. Pastor J.D. has been walking with you through one such book, a letter penned by the Apostle Paul to the Thessalonian church. This letter was meant to encourage as well as teach, and it continues to do so today. As you were listening, you may have realized that you too have more to learn about Jesus and how He can change your life. If you have any questions or are ready to take steps toward salvation, we want to invite you to visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Pastor J.D. has simplified the gospel into the ABCs of salvation. 
These are the basics that everyone needs to know. Just click the link on our website and you'll see how easy it is to begin a brand new relationship with Jesus. Know that we're praying for you too here at In Spirit and Truth. We'd love to hear from you and we're available if you have any more questions about faith. Just click on the contact form under About at our website and you can email us using the form there. If you're in the Kaneohe area, we'd love to have you join us for our worship services. Bring your friends and family along too. It's a great time of fellowship and learning about God. Find out more about Calvary Chapel Kaneohe at our website. Again, that's inspiritandtruthradio.com. Thanks for being part of our time here today. and We hope you'll tune in again to continue studying the book of 1 Thessalonians right here on In Spirit and Truth.